So you, you, said, had, you said you've done seven of these? Yeah. Yeah, still a beginner. <laughs> still, still, it's still a little weird. But maybe I'll get really good at it and be like Tom Brokaw or something. I don't know. Next Joe Rogan. Mm. I wonder how much that dude makes on just his podcast. A lot, I think. Isn't he worth like 150 million or something like that? I don't know. I know his contract was public for 100 million for Spotify. Was it? I think that's what it was. It's a lot of money for talking. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's pretty cool though. You get some interesting people on there though. Like and he's not afraid to bring on different kinds of people to have all kinds of different opinions about things. Yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. I like watching it. And I like the long form of it. Like, like the, the curiosity and long form of it. Like they're not trying to pack some thing into five minutes. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you get to go along for the ride, which sometimes is funny and sometimes is serious. Sometimes it's philosophical. I don't know. What do you like? What, what kind of um, guests did he have that do you like the best? I really like the Elon Musk episode. Yeah. A lot of people don't like that guy, but from a intelligence standpoint, like the dude's off the charts. Yeah, well, he's useful, that's for sure. Yeah. He does really interesting shit. I don't know why people don't like him. You know, well, most people are probably just reacting to their own judgments. I don't think anybody even knows him, really. Mm-mm. Not as a person. Right, yeah. Like, you don't see any of that stuff. Um, I know he's got, like, a bunch of kids. Like, nine kids or seven kids or eight kids or something. Really? Crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, he could probably... Get the child support taken care of. <laughs> um, <laughs> imagine being able to say Elon Musk is my dad. Like, it'd be weird. It would be weird. He, uh, like, who, who comes up with the idea? I want to spin, send rockets into space and go to Mars, and then actually go do it. Yeah, it's it's one of those deals where he's either going to be called the smartest man ever or the biggest dumbass <laughs> you know i'm sure yeah. in the beginning just like with my stuff and your stuff and everybody's stuff there's plenty of people that said you're just a dumbass oh yeah you for know, sure what a terrible idea i mean his <laughs> the people that he looked up to from what i've read and seen um basically told him that like his idols like his heroes basically told him he's an idiot for doing what he's doing yeah and they don't agree with it i'm glad he doesn't listen to him mm-hmm you can't, I guess, really. Mm-mm. There's always naysayers in every damn thing, especially if it's cool. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. That's a whole weird psychological thing that's happening with those people. That's what I remember. I'm like, okay, you you have an opinion. That has something to do with what's happening inside of your head. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a internal yeah. issue that you have with yourself. Right, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times... Uh, it's from people that can't offer a useful criticism. They're not from a place of like um, experience or success in that area. Yep. But I'm like, am I supposed to just believe that your speculations about something you know nothing about is is worth listening to? Right. When you, it isn't even formed in a logical argument. Like you're just talking shit. Yeah, it's not like, even accurate. I'm not going to listen right. to that. <laughs> like, I've been through a lot of that with 
like doing the recruiting thing and learning how to trade the markets. Like I had so many people go, really? oh yeah, well, that's not going to work but because on paper it sounds easy, but actually doing and going through the process is super hard. I bet. Like, I'd like to know more about it. I don't understand anything about it. I remember being a kid, I refer, heard people referred to as headhunters and mm-hmm. stuff. That's about the limit of my knowledge of what you do. Yep. It's, you know, I, I consider myself a headhunter. Um, I, uh, you know, we work with very specific types of companies, um, mainly in the industrial automation and fluid power industry. So hydraulic, if it moves and does work in like an industrial setting, it's probably up our alley. Like heavy machinery. Heavy machinery. Heavy. Yep. So either outside, like it has wheels and an engine, or it's inside of like a manufacturing facility doing some type of a process. Um, and that's people that operate those things. Um, people that design. Oh, okay. e- either design it or sell it um, or maintain it. Um, we, don't, we don't really get in. So the people that operate it are considered like production employees, like people that work at Chrysler. Mm. Um, you know, they're using the machinery to get the job done. What uh, we do is we actually place the engineers to actually design the machinery. I see. So, I see. so they design it to where it's easier to run. Like you don't have to be, you know, you could teach a regular Joe how to run it, those machines. Oh, yeah, you could. Okay. For sure. I see. Um, but like from an engineering standpoint, like Christ, like those, those the machinery that Chrysler owns, they probably bought it from some company that manufactures that machinery. You know, and those machines have pneumatics on them. They have hydraulics. They have like um, electrical controls on them. That's fascinating. So yeah, those are pretty high paid positions that you recruit for. Yeah. Um, you know, anywhere, uh, an entry level engineer might make anywhere from 50 to 70 grand a year. So not that much, but like a specialized engineer, like kind of what we've, focus on i mean you can make 120 to 130 140 um it's a pretty good job yeah it's not bad i mean yeah. and that's kind of we work all over north america east coast to west coast mm-hmm. and it doesn't really matter where you're at in the country those job salaries or those salary ranges are usually pretty accurate no matter where you're at and the cost of living that's interesting so like i wouldn't know, have guessed that yeah, in our industry anywhere. Yeah. I, anyway, I don't know about other industries like IT. I don't know sure. how those salary ranges work. Um, but as far as industrial manufacturing, like you would think if you went to California and you're going to be a mechanical engineer, you know, you would make, you know, 30 percent more than what somebody would make in the Midwest. And it's not true. Huh. Well, that's a good uh, that's a good argument for being in that field but living in a lower cost area man mm-hmm. that's like doubling your income oh yeah that's why i stay in gokomo <laughs> yeah. yeah me too really the the business stuff i do here i could never afford to do on the west coast mm-hmm. never it's insane i got a i had an opportunity to um interview with spacex about i don't know four or five years ago they had a recruiting job open out in california okay and they found me on LinkedIn, shot me a message, and you know I was, I was sixty forty with it, like sixty percent sure I wasn't going to take this job, because I'd have to quit my entrepreneurial journey, go oh, back right. to the golden handcuffs. So you like, were going to recruit as an employee, as an employee for SpaceX. Ooh. 
So they flew me out, and to me, it was just like a free vacation. I got to meet their yeah, team, got to cool. see the facility. <laughs> yeah. Like Elon Musk was in the building that day. I that's didn't get dope. to see him, but he was there. And um, it. Long story short, it didn't work. Like mutually, it didn't work out. Like, sure. And you know they're going to pay me like a hundred and five thousand a year. So, and the girlfriend, you know, was really excited because she's got a biology degree and in, in the marine mm, naval, yeah. so she could find something out there. Sure. So we were looking at real estate. Um, you know, something equivalent to what we have now out there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to spend a third of my paycheck on just rent. Like, yeah. It's like $3,500 a month. I'm like, and then spending at least an hour both ways on the 405 to go to work and then work 60 to 70 hours a week. Yeah, It's like that shiny six-figure salary doesn't look so shiny anymore when yeah. you start taking in the cost of living. That's true. That commute, man, that traffic out there is... It is insane. Yeah. It's weird when you're from here. Because mm -hmm. we think... Like, we drive a long time sometimes to do things because stuff's pretty spread out. But we cover a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. If you drive for four hours from here, you can cover the state. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I could be in L.A. and drive for four hours and get, I'm, like, ten that, feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the other side of town by that point. <laughs> Makes you want to kill yourself. Like, God, <laughs> get me out of this car. <laughs> um, but you deal with engineers. Obviously, that's not all you recruit, but mm -hmm. you deal with engineers. How is that? They're an interesting breed of people. They are. They're, they're very literal. <laughs> <laughs> I could see why they would be a good candidate to be recruited and, and, and to need recruiting because they're not always like great salesmen. And mm -mm. not not great at selling themselves, probably. Not a lot of times. Um, there are some job mixtures in there where that are engineering roles that are kind of customer facing, and you have to have that um, the ability to talk. So, like an applications engineer or a sales engineer, or yeah. even an outside sales guy who's got an engineering background to be a technical sales guy. Okay. So, do you like help them through? Like, because it works for you if they get the job. Mm -hmm. So do you, does it, do you find yourself being motivated to be like, well, let me, let me help you update your resume. Let me tell you some stuff to say, like oh, yeah. stuff not to say. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a coaching aspect to what we do. Okay. Cause you're right. Cause yeah, he may be an amazing engineer, but he can't write a resume for shit. That's yeah. not what, that's not what he's focused <laughs> in. Right. Um, or he might not be able to talk. Like I just had an engineer. He, um, he he in, in in his final interview he started bad mouthing his previous employer saying bad things about oh. him and he, i never hire anyone who does that yep i don't and then he started playing on his phone too much yeah during the interview and that's what killed it for me good engineer could have did the job just fine but those two things turned off the hiring managers i bet yeah yeah they don't you know people in the stem fields they just they don't deal with those things a lot that's not where their expertise lies nope so yeah we do a lot of coaching with them like um i would say 90 percent of people can handle themselves at that level okay because they've had a few jobs under the belt they know the process you know they know what to expect in an interview but every once in a while you get somebody that you really need to like sit down and be like look don't say this <laughs> yeah. don't say that put a shirt on yeah <laughs> <laughs> take a shower that day like <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's probably the best engineer. Yeah. The person who cares the yeah. least about the other shit. Mm-hmm. So that's such a weird thing. 
it's weird in general because I come from I hire people, you know, for my businesses, and I come from the perspective. The whole point of me interviewing him, well, my number one point is to just weed out people that shouldn't even be considered for the job, mm-hmm. and then my second goal is to try to try to discover from somebody in a handful of minutes like how they're going to perform over years. Right. It's like it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. But there's tricks you get, you know, but you have to you have to rely on people's responses to tell you how they're going to be. I find that people that can talk, like people that can just carry a converse, an intelligent conversation usually turn out to be pretty good employees regardless of what the industry is. Really? I don't know what what it is, but I talk to a lot of people all over the country and like be just being able to talk like open so many doors for people. Yeah. What what do you mean by being able to talk? Like you mean like being articulate, articulate and, um, having coherence and logic and shit. You're not, you're not just like not somebody with just a Gabby. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Like there'll be times where you talk to somebody on the phone and it's like, you're putting in so much effort to get them to say something other than yes or no to your questions. Mm. It's like you ask them a question. Like I try to, I try to always ask open-ended questions where where you can't answer with a yes or a no. So like questions that start with how, like, you know, how would you go about doing X, Y, Z? Yeah. Um, And the people that give you like one word answers or like one sentence and stop, it's like, and you have to work to get them to speak. I worry about those people in interviews. Yeah. Yeah. That was your chance. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, and I know it's weird because I'm an introvert by nature. Yeah, me too. I, I really beat it out of myself. I took sales roles and put myself in positions to where I had to learn a different way. But I know like my natural inclination is to just be accurate and concise. And I, and I never feel like talking about myself. Really? And I don't like hearing myself talk necessarily. I'm not saying those things are good or bad, but it's the opposite of extroverts. So like, unless somebody tries, like my natural inclination is to, to not disclose very much. Mm. But, mm. but then I had to learn, you know, a long time ago, I'm going to an interview, like this whole thing is to try to get me to disclose what's, why I could be useful and valuable. So I need to, I need to get on a soapbox here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. It was hard for me. Feels weird. Feels mm-hmm. weird to be like, I'm so awesome at this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want to say that. I just want to show you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you have to in an interview. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, like I said, I've talked to a lot of people, and um, the ones I get most, like, the best way that I've found to get people talking is to get them to talk about themselves. Because the majority of people, like, you're the, exception to the rule most people love talking about themselves yeah that's true why do you think that is well for sure they know something about the topic yeah (laughs) um it just i think it makes people feel better about themselves and their accomplishments if someone's like shown a genuine interest in you like you know tell me what you've done oh how did you do that well what made you want to go do that like yeah i agree with that so Um, what i'm interviewing people interviewing I don't interview candidates. I have conversations with candidates. It's never like this 
plat like this layout or the system I have, um, like you would see from a hiring manager where they're doing like star style interview questions. Like, tell me a time about where you helped somebody who was down. Like, yeah. it's never that kind of shit. <laughs> right. Um, it's not a personality test. <laughs> right. Right. Also, I'll let the company deal with all that. Right. I'm just making sure that you're intelligent. You can do what you say and you're in the price range. Yeah. Cause like, it reflects on your reputation as a recruiter. If you send oh, absolutely the quality of people you mm -hmm. send to your, cause your clients are the companies. Yep. Not typically the employees, right? Companies are paying us candidates do not. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's wild. So what do you, so you get, you have a, like a, your thumb on the heartbeat of like the job markets mm -hmm. and the economies and stuff. It's probably how it led you into getting into trading so much. It's not so much getting me into it, but it's helped me a lot with trading. I see. Um, I got into trading about 20 funny stories. So 2016, um, I had an acquaintance at the time. He was doing this multi-level marketing company with Forex, like right before they all blew up, like before everybody started doing it. And this company actually had um, two professional traders that worked for them that make all their calls. So basically they had a, a trading copy platform. They would send you trades, you could take them on your own, huh. you adjust your risk. They tell you when to get out, like it was completely legal above board. And it worked for about six months. And once I saw that what the markets can actually do, like being able to learn technical analysis and kind of, I don't like the word predict, but kind of project where price might go and because of all these reasons and why, um, that's what really got me into it and interested in it. And the company ended up thinking, but I stuck. I ended up finding somebody who has been doing it for 20 years professionally and started learning from them because that's when smart. I saw it, yeah. I was like, this is, this is real. Like there's, there's people out there making money in the markets cause they know what they're doing. Why can't that be me? That's a great question to ask yourself. That's awesome. So that's, that's kind of how I got into it. And I've, I've stuck with it ever, ever since like there's not a week. I, I probably spend while I'm working, doing recruiting, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours a week, my charts are always up. I'm always looking at the markets. So to circle back around, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to talk to all these multi-million dollar companies and look at their hiring needs and kind of what their future holds. And that can kind of tell you what the whole industrial manufacturing market's starting to do. Like if they're starting to slow down and pull back and like, ease on job positions and you're watching the news and you're like watching unemployment rate or unemployment rates start to rise. It's like, eh, you know, what's kind of going on here. Right. So it can kind of give you, it's, it's just another indicator, um, that I'm lucky to have because of just what I do. Hell yeah, dude, that keeps you, that keeps you in one of the veins, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Oh, so what's interesting about, um, I watch what you do with the trading and stuff. That's you always have like the most consistent, reliable, you know, information, which I could tell is from a it. lot of technical work. Mm -hmm. You're you, you, you don't post everything you post is pretty much anti hype. Yes. It's, there's no hype involved. No. Uh, -uh. it's like what percentage of maybe this is going to happen. Right. It's all, it's always about probabilities. Yeah. Because, the market can do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. So you just got to kind of calculate, you know, by 
technical indicators like what are the probabilities of this dropping or what are the probabilities of this actually rising so if it's like 70 30 80 20 in favor i'll take a trade for that yeah but if it's like 50 50 um, it's gambling at that it, point. it's starting to get gambling right yeah so and that's the problem with most people is i hate to say it but most like 95 percent of retail traders fail and like the average account balance is like under five grand so these people are trying to make as much money as quickly as possible or try to get rich off their five or ten or twenty thousand dollars and they end up going broke because they follow everybody else on hyped up um positions yeah that's so bad is it necessary though for other people to make money in the market do you think there has to be losers right basically because absolutely you, have to you be. you can't sell anything unless somebody buys it right i always thought that was interesting though it's like people know how that works in life they're like oh i don't want to buy a house when the values are up mm -hmm. and then they forget that when they go to the when market. they go to the market they're like oh everybody's buying these houses and they're so goddamn expensive mm -hmm. so i'm gonna buy one too yep i'm like hold on that seems like a bad plan it's always the the market is ran off fear and greed like that's when you're looking at a chart that's what you're looking at you're looking at re emotional reactions in the market is right. what you're looking at so when fear is greatest that's when you want to buy when greed is greatest that's when you want to sell that's well, my strategy with trading it's uh, a good strategy and luckily i have you as a mentor for technicals <laughs> because i'm terrible at technicals i don't have the time to learn mm -hmm. to learn that but i like trading and i've had good success with it um based off just the strategy of when I think a good company is their values dropped really, really far mm -hmm. for like reasons that I can't quantify. It looks like a deal and I buy it mm -hmm. and then I wait Yep. until everybody changes their mind and all of a sudden now it's a good one to buy. And, mm -hmm. then, I, and then I sell it to them like, sure, you, you like it now. Here you have it <laughs> <laughs> for twice what I paid for it. Yep. That's my only strategy. It's not consistent, but it, it works. I don't know if I'm going to wait a month or six months or right. Like you do more of a regular, you're trying to get a certain percentage back in a, in a month and in whatever. And you're trying to compound and yeah, I, I take whatever the market gives me like it. I'm a swing trader, which means you either hold a position for as little as a few days all the way up to several months. Um, it just really depends on you know, the chart and the price action, like sometimes, cause we don't, you can't time the market. There's people out there that try to time the market. Like, you know, August 3rd, it's going to bounce 30%. Like there's no way to, to know that. So yeah. you have to go by price. Like, you know, what price are we at? Where did we come from? How far, how fast did we fall from that price? Um, are we getting buyers in this level? Like is yeah. price stalling out? Like, and how much are people up or down that have them? Right. I always find that a useful thing mm -hmm. to really dig into. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of how you get into like, like support and resistance and why it works is like, because on the way down, you might have people buying that are losing and it goes against them. And then when price comes back to that same price, the bag holders just want to get out break even. So you have a bunch of people dumping at those certain price levels. Mm. And that's why price reverses. That's so interesting. So it's, it's always, you always got to think opposite in the markets. Like 
when Tesla was like at $107, everybody's like, it's going to zero. It's going to 60 bucks. Yeah, that's when I buy shit. Yeah, that's when you buy it. When everybody's scared of it. And Yeah, that I, seemed like a no-brainer. I just made a lot of money on my Tesla stock. Yep. It seemed like a no-brainer. Like, you don't have to be really good at technicals to see that there was just a load of shit talking mm-hmm. that, that was, like, unquantifiable as, like... Um, as anything that actually had to do with bottom lines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the Tesla thing had nothing to do with bottom lines. It was just a whole <coughs> bunch of negative hype and anti Elon shit. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the stock tanked like half yeah. or something. I can't remember the specific number. I was like, well, maybe there's a reason I don't understand why the value should go down, but it should never have went down that much. Yep. Based on panic. these reasons. Yes. Yeah, obviously panic. So I'd bought a bunch of them. I was like, well, everything is pushing towards renewable energy and all this shit. There's no way Tesla's not going to recover this value quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like quickly in my perspective of time yeah. in less than two years. And it only took a couple of months. Yep. And, and then everybody's like, oh, I was wrong. You know, this stock's amazing. I'm going to buy it back. And then they uh, do the so exact like, hey, opposite. Then it raise, rises 200%. Then it catches everybody's attention because it's on the news now. Tesla stock up 150% from its lows. And then it pumps. Yeah, and then everybody's like, oh, fuck, let's buy Tesla. And then usually when that happens, that's where institutions start to dump. Yeah, well, that's where I dump. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, exactly. But people... As soon as I see on, like, a Google News thing how good a stock is, I'm Mm -hmm. like, shit, do I have that one? I got to sell it. Quick. I use... (laughs) So I use some social sentiment indicators. Um, there's a couple of Facebook groups I use, um, Wall Street Bets. I'm sure you've heard of one. Yeah. Them. Yeah, yeah. Wall Street Bets and the other one's like Robin Hood Trading Group. Okay. Um, between both of those groups, there's about 800,000 to a million members in both. So that's a good number um, of active users um, to use as a social gauge. So I will, I will do my technical analysis on my chart. And then I will take that stock and just go search that stock name into these groups and see who's talking about it. Then I'll start reading the comments. And if most people are bullish, like if I'm trying to short, I'm looking for people that are very bullish. And if that's the consensus of the group, I know it's kind of confirmation that my short's going to work because 95% of retail traders are wrong. Okay, I see. It's like reverse psychology. Right. It's a, and, and it's they're an inverse sell. indicator. And they don't have... They, they know they're wrong deep down on some level, so mm-hmm. they don't have the cojones to hold. Right. Yep. As, as soon as they're down a little bit, it's fucking panic. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is fall off the cliff retailed, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially in crypto. I know we're talking about stocks, but mm-hmm. in crypto, just take that and imagine looking at it with a magnifying glass. Yeah. <laughs> That's what crypto <laughs> is. Yeah. People let their emotions take over. Like emotions are, motion is so hard to control. It like, is. In both directions, like both in fear and in greed, because you might be a hundred percent up, but then you start looking, you're like, well, what if it goes two or three hundred? Like what the if? fear of missing out. Yeah. Like no, take your take your money and get out. Like the little trans the little transactions, the little trades that you win add up over time. Like consistency is key. Yeah. Like no one. Very like you might as well play play the lottery because the odds of you taking a thousand dollars to a million dollars like very quickly it's probably not going to happen yeah, like right. not without doing some major gambling 
that would mean you'd have to be so much better than a lot of people mm-hmm. at it that you could take their money. Right. So ask yourself, am I, am I better than 5,000 people? Can I take their money? Yep. And if the answer is, I'm not sure. Yeah, then you <laughs> probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. That's so true. That's a good one. People marry investments too. Yeah. They get so, they get so hyped up about what they're in and they start to believe mm. in what they're in so much that they won't sell no matter I've what price. That. Yeah. People that bought AMC. They believe in it more than the CEO does. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, what are you doing? Yeah. As the company's diluting shares, you have yeah. retail traders that are like, oh, this is great. I'm buying more cheap <laughs> yes. stocks. Yes. <laughs> the CEO's like making, I don't know, what was it? The sh- the Like the big shareholders of AMC made a fortune off that pump. Mm-hmm. And then you know they were the first ones to sell. Oh, yeah. Because they're the ones like, man, our company's like... A, <laughs> a dinosaur <laughs> business plan. We're trying to figure out ways to keep it alive. And you assholes think we're going to the moon. <laughs> like, you can have my shares. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. It happens all the time. So that's probably been the, the hardest thing to learn in trading is just control your emotions. Be detached from the money. That's like, so good. And it's hard to do. That's uh, straight out of stoic philosophy, stoicism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I, I use that for everything in life. I do too. Uh, trading and recruiting both have made me a very patient person. Like give it time, like trust the process, do the process and you will succeed. Like that's great. Nothing ever comes quickly. Yeah. And time always gets rid of the, like the fleeting emotional things you do Mm -hmm. because emotions, well, first of all, they're unconscious. Right. Yeah. And most people think they they would know if they have unconscious motivations, but the, it's literally unconscious. The whole point is you don't know it's a secret to you. Right. You know, I and mean, we all have them. And the way to, to win, like you said, the way to win against your unconscious motivations is time. Mm-hmm. Like, let I'm that gonna, shit settle out. Yeah. I do that with transactions. Mm hmm. I, I require 72 hours to make a transaction. It's really interesting because I will, um, I'll give my permission to like buy it, whatever it is, but not today in 72 hours. Yeah. So I've satisfied this emotional need. I have to buy this thing, right? Because I am giving myself permission to buy it. I'm going to buy that if it's an investment or a thing or whatever, but I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to do it in 72 hours and 72 hours comes around. I'm like, if I still want it, then you buy it. Then yep. there's, yeah, I trust it. Mm. If I'm like, I have no idea why I wanted to buy that. Yep. Then, I'm the then I know I just saved myself yeah. <laughs> some trouble. I do the same thing. Like, let you, yeah. Or even like, let's say you're arguing with your spouse and like she says something that pisses you off. Like, it's really something, like, it's a skill set to be able not to immediately emotionally, emotionally react yeah. and take the time to digest what just happened. And like, you know, see both sides and then like come to a compromise or, yeah. you know, maybe she's right or maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm right. She's wrong. Like, right. Like, maybe I just flip to wanting to, to wanting to be right. Right. Whether or not I, I am or not doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's true. That's a hard one though, man, with, with the dynamic of males and females, at least I've noticed is like most of the time, if I get upset, I know it's a bad idea to keep talking. Yeah. Yep. 
but she doesn't understand that I'm doing that for the both of us. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, I see. You're just not going to participate in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I shouldn't. It's, it's a bad idea for me to participate until I, I don't feel this way. And these attributes that we're talking about, um, to me, life is sales. Everything is sales. Like the whole talking less and listening more that's a sales tactic and but it also works well in like relationships like the more you listen and the less you talk probably the better off you're going to be i see what you're saying like the fundamental principles of being a good salesman are the same fundamental principles of like being a good person right yeah i yeah for sure i could see that that's sort of like the free market of socialization mm-hmm. the market decides yeah you know, these things will work for people it's getting back to the whole like whenever i have conversations with new people i always flip the script and put it on them and get them talking about themselves because like i said earlier everybody likes to talk about themselves and the more people talk the more you learn then you can come up with more questions to continue asking them things that keep the conversation going and you can can control the conversation that way that's true. You can take it wherever you want to. That's so true. I do that sometimes. There's one trick I have for people who have poor criticisms. Mm-hmm. I o- I like criticism. I like it to be useful. If it's logical, that's even better. But mm-hmm. people don't really study logic anymore or rhetoric. So oftentimes their arguments are always going to be shit, even if they're right. Right. They just they don't they're not articulating well why they're right. It doesn't work out, but it is, they are right. So it can't, but anyway, the point is I like to find useful criticism and it's really d- difficult. A lot of people just, you know, they have criticism just because they have an unwelcome feeling inside of their head mm-hmm. about what you're doing or something. So I always say, like you said, I always listen to them. Like I try to deeply understand what it is exactly <clears throat> they're upset about. That on its own is powerful. Mm-hmm. People usually start turning around right away. They're, like something happens on the inside, like their whole narrative was based around the idea that I wouldn't give a shit. Right. And now that I clearly do give a shit, they're like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. And then, and then the next thing I do is I say, okay, well, you might be right. Let's say you are right. Well, what should I have done? And, and what should I do now? And then they, then they have to become empathetic. They have to think about what it's like to be where I'm at. Yeah. And that's hard for a lot of people to do. Yeah. And that's my trick. Cause then if they really think through like, what it's like to be him and what should he have done and what should he do now? They can, they can get a real good view of my position without mm-hmm. me having to convince them of it. Yep. I do the same thing. Like, I mean, we have, we have a couple of people that work with us and you know, they sometimes don't perform like they should and um sometimes it's projected as our fault but when you have the conversation with them and you start asking those kinds of questions it's like well if we if, if the situation was flip-flop what would you have done you know as the business owner like the point of running a business is to make money so everybody can make money if the business doesn't exist you don't exist so yeah that gets lost on employees pretty quick yep they think that the, the business is just always going to be there. Yeah, like, they, that it owes them something. Right. And they feel 
sometimes they'll feel intrinsically valuable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I deserve to get paid or whatever because I'm me. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Like you have to create value in this company. That's what you get paid for. Yep. What you can do. Not because you are valuable as a human. You are valuable as a human existentially. I yeah. care about you. But is that quantifiable? Yeah, but I can't pay you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because it doesn't create any income. Right. So show me with your hands mm-hmm. is, is what I tell people. Yeah. It's, um, you get real serious when you sit them down and be like, look, we paid you this much money. Here's how much revenue you've generated. Like, you're not even paying for yourself. So how does that make you feel? Are you still, do you still have the entitled um, mindset that you do knowing that you're not actually producing? Yeah, you're putting in the work. Yes, we're paying you for it. But at the end of the day, you're actually an expense or a cost yeah. to, to the business. To, to a, a business which doesn't have emotions. Right. Business doesn't, just has a bottom line. Mm-hmm. So how do you, um, how do you deal with that? Like getting people to take responsibility for that because there's like this whole gentle parenting thing in the workplace happening now where there's even shit all over LinkedIn and stuff where like you should, um, how to accommodate all of your employees and their feelings, in all of these different ways and stuff. And, and I don't have any problem with that. I'm a, I'm a, I believe in people. I'm a very empathetic person and I, and I care about people, mm-hmm. but that's why, that's why I'm not super sensitive to them because it doesn't help anybody if you just pretend like they're awesome when they suck. Yeah. What helps people is when you tell them like, I believe in you, you could be awesome, but currently you suck. Right. You have to do something different. Nobody else is going to tell you because they want to be your friend. I'm not your friend. I'm your boss. It's my job to tell you, mm-hmm. you got to make a change. And I think that's, that is caring about people. Yeah, it it's is. It's like caring about people to let them keep sucking. No, you're not. Yeah, you're not. Letting, giving, like validating their excuses. Right. That doesn't help anybody. Mm-mm. But it makes them feel better. For a minute. For yeah. a minute. But people like, people are like really soft these days, like emotionally. That's true. They can't take. constructive criticism very well even if it comes off as genuine it's like it either yeah that's a mistake too isn't it 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 either depresses them or makes them worse like like if you tell like you said if you tell hey i see your potential but right now you're not doing that great like some people that might turn them off and they'll just quit yeah that happens you know what i mean but i count on that Mm -hmm. i've i tell my managers this because this was my experience working for other people before I did it for myself. Like you have to have those conversations and you're going to get a 50, 50 reaction. Mm-hmm. 50% of them will quit or get themselves fired in a few weeks because they don't care. The other 50% are going to become the best employees you've ever had. Yep. And you want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as dealing with it. Um, I mean, I always take the, the honest approach like laying out the data just being calm you know not getting emotional but like here's the here's the facts here are the numbers 
and then I get them to explain to me how they feel. Like, what do you think of yourself? That's like an advantage in, in, because you can quantify the value of somebody in dollars mm -hmm. in your industry. Yep. That's not always so easy to do. Right. So that's, a, that's, that's an advantage. Yeah, that is true. Like, that's really hard to argue with. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's, a, that's an advantage. Yeah. When you have solid data, it, it makes it easier. Like if they're just, if they want to go and it's like, well, you're not really producing. So you're, you're going to save me money if you quit. Right. So obviously you're here because I believe in you. Mm -hmm. So how, how do we get you to get you where you want to go? Cause I know you want to succeed in this, right? You know, you're making 50 grand now you want to make a hundred. So how do we get there? This yeah. is, here's your, here's what you're at. Here's what you want. And this is what you're doing. Yeah. We have the same goal, right? That's what employees forget. They're always like, well, I feel like I should get paid more. I'm like, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I pay you out of the business checking account. You put a bunch more money in there and I'll pay you more. Mm -hmm. That's where it comes from. You know, and I always tell people that like, I want to pay everybody that works for me a million dollars. Yeah. Cause I think they're all worth it. If they would just let me. If you would just put that money in the business's account, I'll pay you that. But people have, most people have the employee mentality. Yeah. Like they, they can only see a week ahead in their vision and their goals. It's like, I worked last week, my paycheck's coming Friday. Like that's, that's where their headlights shut off about a week or two out. It's and that's hard. tough because if you, if you don't have the, the space to put in the, the wood, before you get the heat, I think is the expression. Yeah. You can't, you know, a lot of them kind of get forced into sitting in front of the furnace asking for the heat and then promising to bring the wood later. Mm hmm. I think that's the idea. And everything takes time to build. Like, shit doesn't happen in a year, man. Like, right. Like, look at, you should plan things ahead like three to five years. Like, that's whenever we try to hire a recruiter, because we've had a lot of people try to do recruiting mm -hmm. and, Almost all of them has fa have failed at it. Um, it's got to be hard. It's very hard. It's especially when you don't pay them a salary. They're paid on commission. So you bring in revenue, you get paid revenue. Like, yeah. but we pay big revenue. We pay big commissions, like more than the industry standard. Yeah. So nobody's going to do that job who can't take responsibility for themselves, right. dude. And you get a lot of people that are used you know, nothing against these people at all. Like the most of the working middle class works a nine to five. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like right. if it makes you happy, that's all that matters at the end of the day, as long as you're happy. But I find well, I get it. I, I value the time card. Mm hmm. Like, I mean, you're an entrepreneurial guy. You do all kinds of stuff, the stress and the, have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I could just clock out today. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's not just talking about a physical thing. That's an emotional, psychological thing. Oh, yeah. Because you, if you have a job where you can clock out and it's not your problem, it's not. Your, obviously, people like me, you don't think that's a fair trade because you're working for somebody else's vision. Mm -hmm. You're working for somebody else's success, somebody else's dream. And if you're an outstanding employee, you know, I'm not saying this is wrong for anybody. It just doesn't work for people like me and you. Right. Like I want to be doing my vision, sharing my vision. Mm -hmm. I want people to help me with what my dreams are. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, 
you know, like I said, most people are, they're so locked into the golden handcuffs that, you know, they don't, they don't know what to go do. Like they don't know how to get out of their situation. It's hard. Definitely. I don't blame them. Yeah, it is hard. Um, but like I say, I mean, nothing against these. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a job. Like, I used to have a job. I did that shit forever. Hell yeah. But my, I've always wanted more. Like. Something different. Yeah. Like, I don't think, like, spending 60 years in the job market working 60, 70 hours a week, that's not living. That's like. Not you, for you, yeah. Yeah. It, like you said, you're building someone else's dream with those hours and getting paid a very small amount of value versus what you could actually really bring in value somewhere else and get paid more money for it. Yeah, I agree. Well, in this country anyway, the, the entrepreneurial spirit's still alive and the resource that's possible here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an opportunity that I definitely couldn't pass up being the master of my own universe even if it's failing it's still me yeah it's still me like i want it's because of me it's not because of somebody i don't know in some other room deciding my future exactly that was the one probably the uh, outside the financials that was the biggest hang up for me was that someone else could determine my financial future with one decision they don't fucking like me that day you're gone yeah like there goes your money down the drain like i don't like that feeling like people think or even they could just make a mistake and fucking ruin the business right which is fine it happens shit happens Mm -hmm. but it'd be way better if you did it to yourself than if somebody else did it to you man that's the way i look at it if i'm not gonna make it i want it to be because it's my fault yeah i didn't put the work in so I'm right. I'm in my situation because of my decisions and where I'm at. Yeah, could you imagine a worse fate than doing an awesome job, putting your heart into something for like thirty fucking years, and then some assholes on the board make poor decisions and destroy the company? Yep. Nothing to do with you. Mm-mm. Just wasted all of that talent. And people, people look at these jobs, like as. Um, security like it gives them this secure feeling and I was always the opposite I never felt secure in a job yeah I was making pretty decent money working in a factory at Caterpillar for eight years you know decent money you know that's a whole matter of perspective but I never felt safe there I think a lot of people do I think I agree with you like well it's not something to agree or disagree with but I feel the same way as you I don't feel secure in a big, giant bureaucracy ran by other people. Mm-mm. I feel really insecure. Like, I don't even know what's happening here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just showing up every day hoping the doors are going to unlock for yeah, you. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, I got to take a pee break. All right, let's do another beer. Yeah. Blue Moon Summer Beer, Belgian White. I love Blue Moon. Do you? I yeah. do. That's a good pick, then. A lot of people are... Against Blue Moon. It's a bitch beer, I guess. But oh, yeah. I guess I'm a bitch. Uh, everybody has to decide now if they're for or against everything. Yeah. They got to take sides. Yeah. I don't give a shit. As long as their team wins, that's all they care about. 
That's craziness. You know what it reminds me of? Everything I've ever read about, like, Greek warnings of consorting with the crowd or the mob or going to the the games. Mm-hmm. Like, they just all write about everything to be weary of. And we do all of it now. Like, it's our fucking job. <laughs> like, that's all we do is not heed any of those warnings. We do the opposite. Oh, we are silly. Gosh. So, yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, exciting to do a official podcast. Yeah. Um, you got a red light on? Yeah. Awesome. Yep. So, I... I I have a theme, a general theme. Okay. I want to ask if you don't mind. Sure. So, um, I like to cho- sort of dig into what life is like for people that with an entrepreneurial spirit like yours, like mine, like so many people I know. It's just a different kind of person, um, and I think people are super interested in that. Like, what's how how do you get to be doing your own thing all the time? Like. Um, and what, what is, what's like your regular shit look like? Let me give you an example. Like, um, well, the reason we know each other is because, well, it's weird cause we've always known each other, mm-hmm. but we're always crossing paths. at some mutual interest. Yeah. And neither one of us have ever had too much time to spend a lot of time together cause we're always so engaged in some kind of interest, mm-hmm. but it's super interesting to me. Like we both rode motorcycles like idiots when we were young. We both built up on hot cars and... Um, you were into dancing when I opened a dance club, so I saw yeah. you there, and um, then we both got into trading. Yep. Like, but you're always into these things. You always have these interests, and you're always actually changing your life to to do them and yep. go after them and make something of them. So, like, if anybody, you know, the nine to five people we're talking about that live in a much different reality, what what would you say to them? about your life what's it what's it like (laughs) now present day it's it's pretty smooth man like i'm super lucky like to be in the position i'm in because um my office is eight feet from my bed i work from home um which isn't for everybody some people can't get motivated to work from home like that was a concern for me um when i started doing recruiting um i went to the office a lot in the beginning to learn from my partner um, and I liked you just I was so used to leaving the house to go do work. Um, I, so I continued down that path driving Lafayette. But over time, it's like what I was doing could be perfectly done at home and save the money on gas. So that's what I did. I started working from home a lot. So um, excuse me, um, I really only put in to keep my pipeline, the ball rolling um, in our business. I probably put maybe 25 hours a weekend. Um, but that's working every single day. That's working Monday through Sunday. I'm, I have such a routine. I get up, I go grab my coffee. I sit down on my computer, I grab my emails and I start plugging away at recruiting. And you're probably very efficient at it now. Very efficient at it now. In the beginning, there was a bunch of stumbling, right? You know? Yeah. I can relate to you on that. I don't mean to interrupt. No, I want you to get back to it, but like I'm sort of struggling with that right now. Like I'm taking on new interests and stuff, but I've I've gotten you with our lifestyle. The way it works is you're pushed to be efficient. Yep. And 
I got to the point recently to where I'm super efficient at these things I'm doing. I can do them in 25-ish hours a week. Mm-hmm. It used to take me, you know, 50. Yep. Before that, I was doing 60. Before that, I was doing 80. So I'm still doing the same quantity and bottom line work at 25 that I was at 80 hours. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that I feel guilty that I don't work 80 hours a week. I know. I do. I'm right there with you. Like, I, I still struggle with just not doing something. It's like... Is that the curse of, of our lifestyle? I think so. I think it's... I, I think that's something that will never go away. Really? Yeah. I just started smoking cigars. Oh, really? Just yeah. because it takes fucking forever, <laughs> and I can't, like, do anything other than that. So, like, I'm not even sure I still... I probably still don't even enjoy it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to learn how to enjoy this fucking thing <laughs> <laughs> for, a, for a period of time where I don't do anything. It sucks. Yeah, it's um, like like you were saying. It's it took a lot of work to be able to be as efficient to be able to get the same amount of results you can do at twenty five hours that you did at eighty. Um, but now it's like I look at it as well. What if I did put fifty hours a week in? Would That's I, the other side. Would right? I double my income? Like since I'm so efficient now at what I do, like. And is it necessary? And is it necessary? Because there's a lot more types of success to work on than money, right? Well, yeah, because like, yeah, I could work 70 hours a week and probably knock down, you know, whatever. Um, I'm sure. Well, the way you're going, you probably, you could probably cross a million a year regularly if you really put (laughs) your headstone to it. Yeah, I mean. But that wouldn't be worth it. Right, exactly. Like, how much is your time worth? Your free time. And that's what I really enjoy because I can literally, like today, I mean, it's Thursday at one thirty. Like I, at any time I can. And we're drinking beer talk. Yeah. I can pack my shit up. This is the American dream. I'm done working for the day. No, I don't have to go ask somebody if I can take a vacation day. Like that's the great, it's all on me. That's the great part. Mm -hmm. But what seems weird when I talk to people that don't understand, they think it's, it's all good like that. They don't understand one very important thing that's really difficult to not have anybody telling you what to do. It's really difficult to be mm-hmm. successful. You can't imagine the pressure of having to decide what to do. Out of the trillions of possibilities of things mm-hmm. you could decide to do. It's very hard to be self-motivated. Yeah. Well, and, to even figure out what it is you should be doing. And know what, right. Like, because you can get to the point where you feel busy, but are you productive? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. That's absolutely right. Like you could work your ass doing, off and never go anywhere. Right. What you're is what you're doing going to put dollars in your pocket at the end of the day. And if that answer is no, then you should probably change your strategy or your focus of what you're doing in your business. That's right. That's right. I, I do that. I didn't think that up. That's a pretty common strategy. Mm-hmm. But like I do, I make a new. I schedule every moment of my life on a calendar, including time for spontaneity and free time and creative Mm -hmm. time and all that but every six weeks or so i'll redo my schedule Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't want to keep the same one forever it means you're not moving right so like i'm always pushing myself a little bit but one thing i always do is i priority list out everything on my schedule like what's the biggest priority to the least and then clearly that's an emotional list yep and then I detach my emotions and I reorganize the priority list based on off of creating value or profitability. Yes. And it's crazy how different the lists are, 
how much time you can walk right into wasting on oh, shit yeah. because it's serving your feelings. Yep. That's really what it's doing. It's giving you that satisfied, like, oh, I got this, this, and this, and this done today. Yeah. But right. I didn't make any money today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you're an entrepreneur, you can't do that very long. No. <laughs> no. That's that's part. It's a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, I got control of my time, and you know, I make pretty good money. So how do you do, do it? What I want, huh? So how do you do it? How do you decide what to do every day and motivate yourself? Um. So, cause you work seven days a week. Yep. I'm so first of all, I'm, I'm very money motivated. Some people aren't that way. Like some, like I talk to candidates a lot. They're like, you know, money's not everything. You know, like I'd rather have some better work-life balance or more days off or first making an extra 25 grand a year, which is understandable. Sure. But for me, I love having my time, but time costs a lot of money. Yeah, and you and you have future goals you want to do with money. Yes, that yep. helps you be motivated for yep. money because you have something in mind to spend it on. Yeah, and it's not meti- or not meticulous, but it's not um um what's the word I'm looking for? Like stuff. Oh yeah, you're not trying to buy a Bugatti. No, you like, want to invest in something to create lots of value in your industry. Yeah, 